Good evening. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 15, we're going to look at a, a few verses there for a few moments. So I've entitled our lesson this evening, God Forgive Me. You know, one of the things that the Christian is certainly responsible for is forgiving one another and forgiving people who have who have wronged us, who have done things to us in life that maybe uh, made us feel uh, very sad or very angry or, or hurt us in some way, form, or fashion. But the first story that comes to mind when I think of forgiveness in the Bible is that of the lost son or what some would call the prodigal son, the wasteful son. And that story is there in the book of Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And I'm not going to read that whole entire story to you. But you know the story and the gist of it there. The son uh, was given his inheritance. He went out and he spent all of his inheritance on possessions of the world. And he got down so low that he was in the pit with the pigs. And it came to mind to him that... Even his father's servants were better in their condition than he was in the one that he was in. And if you'll notice there in verse 21, And the son said to him, this was when he had come home to the father, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You know, we could probably think of things that we've done in our lives as sins that we've committed. And we think when we go to God sometimes that we are really not deserving of being called a child of God. Because of the sin that we committed sent God's Son to die on the cross. But it goes on there and says, But the Father said to his servants, But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Notice if you will also verse 32 of Luke chapter 15. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and now is found. Point number one of our lesson is we must each face death. Now, if you think about it like this, all of us have already faced, that our Christians have already faced a spiritual death, have we not? We have been separated from God because of the sins that we've committed. Death is a separation. Now the physical death we understand is the separation of the spirit from the body. But the Bible tells us in uh, Isaiah chapter 59 beginning in verse 1 that when our sins separate us from God, this is a spiritual death. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that... It cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear you. 
For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue has muttered perversity. When we have sin that enters into our lives, it separates us from God. Therefore, we need to be restored back to God, and we need God's forgiveness in order for that to take place. That's why the Christian... In order to become a Christian, we understand that we must hear the word of God. That we must believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Repent of our sins, stop sinning on purpose to have that change of mind. We must confess with the mouth that Jesus is the son of God and be buried in that watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. That puts us into a spiritual life once again and restores us into the relationship that we should have with our father. What a wonderful blessing that is to become a Christian and be separated from that spiritual death. Spiritual death is not permanent. To return, we must be forgiven of our sins, just as we stated there in becoming a Christian. Where that old man is put away and we raise to walk in newness of life, a new man, a new creation before God without sin. Number two, what is forgiveness? Well, some might say uh, forgiveness is to grant as a favor, pardon, rescue, deliver, relieve, release, or to free fully. And all of those things would be right. You know, if the Christian does not forgive, what does it cause in the heart of the Christian? It causes one to be bitter, doesn't it? Now, we can say that just as just as the world does as well, that when we hold something up in our hearts that someone has done to us or someone has wronged us or one of our loved ones and we allow that bitterness to take control of us, then we are robbing ourselves from living a life that we should. Because without forgiveness, we become bitter. Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 17 says this, Indeed it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. God cast our sins behind his back. No longer sees our sins And it was as if though we never even did that sin. That's true forgiveness, isn't it? God not only forgives, but he forgets. And he brings that up no more. In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12, it says this, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember No more. When God forgives, he no longer remembers sin. What a wonderful blessing we have as a Christian to understand that our Father truly forgives us. For he remembers no more. Point number three, let's look at God's forgiveness. What is God's forgiveness? Well, the Bible tells us what God's forgiveness is. Why do we need God's forgiveness? 
That would be one question that we could ask. Well, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, it brings up an interesting point about sin. And it says this, We have been separated from God by what? Sin, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So our sins separate us from God, and we all have sinned. The result is that we deserve eternal punishment, but God allows us to be forgiven. God wishes to forgive us. Notice, if you will, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants to forgive us. He wants us to repent, though, to change our mind, to stop doing wrong and start doing right. God went so far as to send his only son to die so that we could be forgiven. In Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 29, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Does that verse sound familiar to you? That was a verse we looked at this morning. But here it is. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered, by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. God went so far as to send his son so that our sins could be forgiven. I don't know about you, when I examine my life and I examine the things that I've done, I can't think of one thing that I was that made me deserving of God sending his son to die on the cross for me. And I would say if we all truly look at our lives, we would all say that. Through Jesus' blood, we receive forgiveness of sins. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What is grace? It's that unmerited favor of God. It's what God has given us as a gift from him. But our forgiveness is conditional. Did you hear that? God says our forgiveness is conditional. It is based on our own actions. Not someone else's, such as our father or mother. Notice, if you will, in Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20, and we brought this up in the teenage class several times over the last few weeks, but it's interesting for us to note here this evening when we're talking about forgiveness of sins. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20. The soul who sins shall die. 
The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteous of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. The repentance or forgiveness of our sins is based on our repentance as an individual, not someone else's. There are even some in the religious world who would say, hey, you can come and pay penance to our church and get your loved one out of purgatory in a shorter time. Those people have already gone before and are in either paradise, but certainly in the Hadean realm, separated from us. There's nothing we can do to help them. In Ezekiel chapter 18, the next verse, verse 21, But if a wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed, keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. The only time we can do anything about what our separation from God is, is in this life. It's not in the life thereafter. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 7 says that we should turn from sin and be pardoned. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, we understand repentance and baptism is necessary for remission, for forgiveness of sins. And it is conditional on our confession of wrongdoing. One of my most favorite verses in all the Bible is 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, where we see that the blood of Jesus Christ continuously cleanses us from our sins. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then his blood continuously cleanses us from our sins. But notice there in the context of that, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's think about David in the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 13, David confessed his wrong and God forgave him. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. God forgives. It's conditional on our continued obedience to him. As we notice there in Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 21. And obedience allows us to enter heaven. Notice, if you will, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, a verse you could probably quote. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Therefore, there are things necessary for us to do to be forgiven of God. There are things the Christian must do in order to make it to heaven one day. So yes, forgiveness is conditional. God has put some conditions on it. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 24, God then dwells in us. 
Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him, and by this we know that he abides in us, and by the Spirit whom he has given us. How does the Spirit abide in us? Well, we know that the Spirit abides in us through the Word of God. And therefore, we as Christians must study the Word of God. We must meditate on the Word of God, and we must plant it in our hearts so that we strive to be pleasing to our Father. In other words, sin no longer separates us from God because God forgives us. It's conditional on our willingness to forgive others, though. Notice, if you will, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but... But if you do not forgive men their trespasses... Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Our forgiveness from the Father is conditional. And these are but some of the conditions that God puts forth for our forgiveness to be real. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, Be kind to each other, forgiving as God has forgiven us. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. We as Christians sometimes put up with hardships. We endure hardships. We put up with things sometimes that we don't necessarily want to. But God forgave us not requiring a full payment on our behalf out of compassion for us as his people. Psalms chapter 78, beginning in verse 34. Psalms chapter 78, beginning in verse 34, says this, When he slew them, then they sought him, and they returned and sought earnestly for God. Then they remembered that God was their rock. And the Most High God, their Redeemer, nevertheless they flattered Him with their mouth. And they lied to Him with their tongue. For their heart was not steadfast with Him, nor were they faithful in His covenant. But He, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity. And did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all of his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh. A breath that passes away and does not come again. Point number four in our last point this evening is we need to look at God for our forgiveness. Now this is where it gets interesting. Here is where the objections start to roll in. We as Christians sometimes make excuses as to why we should not forgive someone. 
or why someone should not be forgiven, not just by us, but by others. Here's one of the ways that we say that. Oh, I'll forgive him, but I won't ever forget what he did to me. It's true, it's hard to forget, isn't it? Sometimes it's easier to forgive than to forget. But would you, as a Christian, like God to act this way towards our sins? Would you like Him to remember them? Would you like Him to continuously bring them up? If you can't put it behind you, never bringing it up again, then you haven't completely forgiven. Where would Paul be if Christians never forgave him for how he persecuted the church before he knew better? If you can't forgive, then God won't forgive you. Turn, if you will, to Matthew, or to Matthew chapter 18. And this is a long reading, so if you'll turn over there. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. We'll read 21 through 35, so through the end of the chapter. <clears throat> Matthew 18 beginning in verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to set, settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment would be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the ser that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when this fellow when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master after he had called him said to him, "You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the tor tortures until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now we read that whole thing and then we tend to overlook verse 
35. We must forgive our brothers and sisters when they wrong us because it will make us bitter and it will make it impossible for us to be forgiven. Another statement that might be made is, but he keeps on doing it again. How often do we sin? How often do we want God to forgive us? Do we want God to forgive us a hundred times? Do we want God to forgive us a thousand times? Would we be comfortable with any limit that was set? I would say we would not. And as often he turns from his sins, forgive him. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Seems pretty easy, doesn't it? Here's another statement that we might say. He didn't ask. He didn't ask. He didn't ask for, to be forgiven. What is true that the offender must ask for forgiveness? We even have to do that with God, don't we? We have to ask for forgiveness. God doesn't forgive everyone automatically, though if you think about it, he has forgiven us some of our debts. Otherwise, why are we still here today? Why are we still living right now if God did not forgive us some of our debts? He expects us to confess our faults before him. But notice, we don't sit back and do nothing. God actively works to get us to see our condition and to smooth the way, to make a way for us to be forgiven. We must rebuke our brethren for, do, for wrongdoing and work towards forgiving them just as God has forgiven us. The proper way to handle problems is found in God's word. In Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 15, it says this, Moreover, if a brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Forgiving a person without restoration to Lord, the Lord isn't even profitable for anyone involved. If we forgive our brother or sister in Christ and we understand that their sin has separated them from God, we should want, we should desire, we should show our love to our brother and sister in Christ and help to restore them to their proper relationship with God so that God can indeed forgive them of their sin. Forgiveness is important in the life of the Christian. 
Not only what God does to us to forgive us of our sins, but what we do to one another and forgive, forgiving each other sometimes of what we say, of what we do, and even things sometimes that we should do that we don't. We've already talked about how one becomes a Christian. But if you already are a Christian and you have fallen away from the proper relationship with God that you should have, you've committed a public sin that has separated you from God. And you need to repent publicly of that sin. Or you need the thoughts and prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever your need may be this evening. God will forgive you if you but repent. Have that change of mind. If there be anyone here this evening who has a need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we give you that opportunity now as together we stand and as we sing.